Calling all creators, welcome to the Creator Landscape Podcast, the podcast that connects you with the most successful creators and industry leaders in the business. And now, please welcome your host, Jake Pearson. Welcome back to the podcast where we explore the creator economy and how you can succeed in it. Now, our guest today is a talent agent, but also a social media coach for creators at Jordan Marketing with an incredible success story, boasting a 2x growth on their income in the first month using Creatorland and potentially a 3x on their income as a creator using Creatorland in two months. They're also incredibly, and I mean incredibly passionate about educating others in the creator economy and they're here to share their experience with us today. So Jordan, Rose Jordan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I, you don't know how pumped I've been to have this conversation with you. When we, we sat down to talk about your crazy success that you've had using Creatorland and also just your journey as a creator and everything that you're doing, I was like, oh, we can't wait. And I was checking my calendar. I'm like, oh, that's next week. Sweet. I don't have to wait <laughs> until January to set up and have this conversation. But Rose, I wanted to sort of talk about yourself. Can you give the audience, creators, creative professionals, just a bit of an insight into your background and what you do as a talent agent and a social media coach for creators? Yeah, of course. So I actually spent the past 15 years as a luxury brand manager for um, luxury fashion brands in New York City. So I worked for Michael Kors, Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger, Macy's, Bloomingdale's, working on brand outreach, brand development. Um, and I decided kind of in 2020 when the world hit us all, um, we were furloughed at that time. I kept my job for a small amount of time at home and then was furloughed. And I kind of just got really enthusiastic about this content creator position, so to speak, that was out there. So I took that skill set from being a luxury brand manager and I transferred it right into social media. So what are customers looking for? What are they shopping? How do you elevate a brand? How do you outreach a brand? And I kind of reverse engineered the whole system. So I, working on the other end of it, you know, I most recently was at Ralph Lauren and I would receive probably a hundred inbounds a day from content creators saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. I want to be a content creator for Ralph Lauren. I saw your contact on LinkedIn. And I wasn't even in social media at Ralph Lauren. My brand management role was outside of that. And I was like, wow, this seems like really loot. Like a lot of people are doing this. So what's up with it? So um, I spent that whole time furloughed just kind of investigating, so to speak, and learning TikTok, learning Instagram, learning trends, social media. And then I took that and pivoted it into a content creator role for myself. And I did um, in 2021 go back to my corporate position for another two years and kind of wrote it out while I was content creating as well. But learning it on the back end and then the front end was a really interesting experience that a lot of creators I've met obviously haven't had. Um, and I think it has really transferred into my role as a content creator and now talent manager as well. So when I meet content creators, I have a really quick ability to be like, this is the niche you should probably work in based on your interests. This is where you should target. This is where you should outreach. And it's, and I'm sure, you know, this never a one size fits all kind of journey, you know, people sell courses and webinars and all these things. And you really 
you, you can't touch that many people doing that because every single person is going to have a unique experience in this space. Mm -hmm. So as a, as a creator yourself, you've dipped your toes into what it's like to be the creator, but you've also got the, the business background in, so you've really got both sides of it. What kind of creating or content are you producing right now sort of for your own personal brand? So I started in 2021 in the beauty space, mostly just because that was kind of all that was out there mm. in my niche at that time. Um, but it has for me, based on my fashion background, transferred back into fashion, into retail, um, into resaled goods. So vintage goods, estate sales, online sales, that kind of stuff. Cool. And now you mentioned You've got, we've got this amazing quote that I mentioned in your bio, and it was all about how you are talking about and you've grown your income basically 2x, 3x using the platform creator land. Are you getting currently just sort of paid work? When did you start doing paid work for, for brands as a creator? Paid work as a creator, I would say, was late 2021, about November 21. I'm coming up on about two years. Yep. Um, I did spend my first six months as a creator intentionally not taking paid work mm -hmm. because I didn't really think that my work translated to paid work at that time. And I really wanted to learn it and I wanted to practice and build a portfolio. So a ton of people in that time period were just looking for brand deals. And I was reaching out to anyone that I could saying, if you'll send me free product, I'll make a video for you. And I knew that through that, I probably wasn't making the best videos. And honestly, sometimes those, you know, memories come up on TikTok and I'm like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. That video is awful. <laughs> but that's how I learned. And that's how you do learn. I think as, as an artist or a creator in any capacity, you're never the best when you start, right? So I didn't really feel my work was super valuable at that time. Um, and then I got into, you know, a couple hundred dollar, $50, $200 brand deals from there. And now I scale at packages 1500 plus. And was this sort of, was it a mix of influencer or UGC work or was it one or the other at the time when you were sort of just starting? I would say it was more UGC work when I was starting. My page didn't have a ton of followers. I was under 5k on all platforms. Um, even now I would say I do get some influence work, but I prefer UGC work. Yeah. And what was your process like when you started reaching out to people where before you are around that 5k mark and you were just starting to get these deals done, did it look like going and DMing people on Instagram, connecting to them on LinkedIn, scrolling through what brands so, and content? I, I could write the book on doing it the wrong way because I okay. never did any of that. Okay. Um, I, I learned the DM trick maybe six months to a year in, but the first, you know, few months, I was just outreaching to brands whose emails I could find online. Mm. So I'm very well versed on LinkedIn throughout my career. I've had to use it a multitude of times. So I was searching brands, searching PR managers, social media managers, wasn't DMing them on LinkedIn, but I was looking for their email addresses. And I was just sending, I mean, no exaggeration, probably 800 cold emails a week. And not through a mail merge, not through a generic like handcrafted emails of, hi, I'm, you know, Rose Jordan. And I was always pitching my experience in luxury brand management because I do think that that transfers so heavily to content creation. Um, but, you know, I, I went on Canva, I made my own little media kit to send to them. 
And month over month, I was getting more and more deals, not necessarily paid. And then I made a pretty quick turn in early 2022. And I was like, you know what? I can't do this for free anymore. I was working full time. I had two kids under two years old. I was volunteering in my local community. And I was like, this is just becoming too much. Like I wanted to make this lucrative. I don't want this to be a hobby. I want it to be lucrative. And then I started really elevating my rates, learning better video skills, buying better equipment, you know, using microphones, using editors and stuff like that. It's a confusing process. And like what you've explained there, there's so many little details to all of that. And that, that could be like a sub, a, a big topic and then a bunch of subtopics and then a bunch of subtopics, a bunch, <laughs> it goes really deep for every little aspect that you're talking about. And that's how, can, how, that's how it can be really very overwhelming, I guess. And that's me fumbling my English there. But as a creator, you kind of like, you're pumping out 800 emails a month. That's, that's a lot of work. And you're working alongside that and raising a young family. That is, that is some serious output. How many people just responded to you saying, hey, we're not looking for anyone? Did you get people that say, yeah, we'll put you in mind, keep you in mind, we'll keep you on a list? Did you have a lot of people that just didn't respond? Can you talk us through that sort of process? Yeah, I would say about 60%, I just wouldn't even get a response. And yeah. then I would get 10% of people that would say, you know, we're not looking to send out anything for free right now, but we'll reach out when we do. And in full transparency, a lot of them did follow up and reach back out later. But once they saw my following starting to grow, my quality starting to grow. Um, and I was always impressed by that because I, for someone in their role to be maintaining the searchability of someone, just if they're doing it with one, they're probably doing it with all. 10% um, of them, I would, you know, just get the cold no. And then quite a few people, though, would respond and fairly quickly to send free product. I found the best turnaround in my early days. And, you know, all of this changes moment by moment. So I don't know if this is relevant to today, but was Amazon sellers, because those were people that wanted Amazon reviews, wanted product reviews, wanted video review, wanted it to be on TikTok at that point. And especially in the beauty space, I found a really good turnaround with it. Um, mm. But again, it was just free product. It didn't really translate to much to me at that time. When you when you saw that being a sort of a, a successful sort of thing, did you then go to Amazon and then start to search up the stores in that niche and then directly contacting them or trying to skim their email from that and then contacting them by email? Is that what you saw was yep. the process? So I found that the Amazon Influencer Program was just kind of launching at that time. It may have existed prior, but it, it was not being advertised prior. Mm. And I think I applied to it at about 1,500 followers on like TikTok and Instagram equivalently, got denied right off the bat. And I was like, my goal, like nobody could stop me from getting to 5,000 followers because I, for some reason in my mind, that was going to get me into the Amazon influencer program. And that was going to get me into paid deals and stuff like that, specifically on Amazon at that time. I was so focused on it. And I think I hit like 3,000 followers. It was a random day and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to apply to it again. Let me just see, like, what's the worst they could say? And I got approved that day. And, and from that time was when I felt my own shift in the creator economy. And it could have been personal to me. It could have been the time period. But it seemed like once I was accepted into that program, 
I didn't even have to send outbounds anymore. I was getting inbounds, but again, th those were smaller scale projects. It was, we'll send you product for $25. We'll send you product for $50 Amazon gift card. It wasn't anything that was breaking the bank or feeding the family. Mm. And just coming back to sort of the media kit that you had crafted for Canva, did did you refine that over time? And did you find that as you refined that you potentially got more interest when you added a bit more something Absolutely. special to it? Yeah. Can you so walk us through that? About, about a year ago, I came to a point, I used the same media kit for about a year and a half. Hmm. And if I like look at it at this point, it would just crack me up because it, like, I didn't even know how to use Canva at that time. So it was not properly done in any capacity. You know, the graphic design work wasn't great. The colors weren't great. But at like early 2022, I made a commitment to myself that every single month on the same day of every month, I was going to go in and adjust my media kit. And mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that my prices would change month to month or anything, but I would upload new relevant examples, um, at that point, my media kit was like a two-page PDF document that was like basically a resume. Um, at this point, my media kit's like a full-blown website with video-crafted examples and photo-crafted examples. So I go in on the 15th of every single month and update that for the past almost two years now. Um, and I've seen tremendous result from that because even when I go back and look at the old one, the... The content examples, the brand examples, it's so not relevant to today's creator economy. And nothing will blow my mind more than how fast the creator economy changes. And just working in this space for about four years now, like looking back on four years ago, it's baffling what we were doing four years ago versus what we're doing today as creators. So if your media kit's not relevant to that, it's not going to get out there and no one's going to bite on. It is making me remember my first TikTok video. And uh, it's it painful was the, in those memories. <laughs> it was the sound. And I remember the sound. It was like, do you ever just wonder what's going on inside their head? And then it was some funky music playing afterwards. And it was just, I was sitting on some sidewalk. Then I made this video. And I'll, I don't know why that just came back to me there, but you make me think. And I'm like, yeah, that's cringe as. Because, yeah. And, and thinking back, you're like, that, what we were doing four years ago, just creating funny, goofy videos, how quickly it's changed to that uh, we can. Well, even like I always tell people that I manage, like, how often do you see someone dancing on TikTok now? And when we all started it, if you weren't dancing, what were you doing? Like, you were never creating content. You were yeah. dancing and adding content. And I'm like, now if someone's dancing on TikTok, you're kind of like, what are they doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. But I, I, I don't actually mind that now. I think this the transition shift. I'm like, oh, I don't come to TikTok right now to get a bunch of value and informative content. I just want to watch really funny, cool funny. trending sound videos yep. and just numb my mind for a second. So I think <laughs> I've actually switched from I, that was all that was consumed to I want to find value. Now it's sort of flipped a little bit, which is very interesting dynamic. But you've given us a bit of insight into what it was like uh, before you started using Creator Land and, and how you, you sent a ridiculous amount of emails, you updated your media and how you were very persistent to get yourself to where you were. When did you come across Creator Land? I want to say it was late August, early September of this year. I got an email, um, I, I believe it was from Brian, asking mm -hmm. if I wanted to join the waitlist. Um, and I, it, it was funny because I'll, I'll never forget actually reading this email because I was kind of 
you know, burnt out at the end of my rope with creating, you know, we all hit these roadblocks and points where yeah. we're just kind of over it. And I remember reading it and I was like, here we go. Like another platform is going to sell me a bunch of brand deals that don't pay anything because I've signed up for, I, I could write you a Bible on how many of these I've signed up for mm -hmm. and, or been advertised or, you know, they pop up, like you can get paid brand sponsorships. You can get this. And I would sign up and they're, they're $50, $75, Amazon credit, free product, not really valuable, tangible, mm -hmm. you know, creator income. And I so specifically remember looking on my phone on the beach, I scrolled to the bottom of it and I was seconds away from just deleting the email. And I was like, you know what? What if this is the one thing that's different? Like, what if? And just give it a try, just try it. So I signed up for the wait list. I was shortly after maybe like late September accepted in. Um, I had, you know, spoken to some people, I, creator land via email and then kind of connected with some people on LinkedIn as well in early October. And that's when it like really took off for me. It was like immediate. I can't even explain the turnaround on it. I think my very first brand deal was signed and contracted within 24 hours of being on the platform. And wow. it was a five figure deal that seemed to have the opportunity to be an ongoing deal, but I could definitely sense some hesitation from, you know, the, the department that I was working with, with this company. And it was, and understandably so, like how many of these companies put someone on a monthly retainer and then just get awfully videos month over month. So yeah. we signed a contract. Um, at first it was a little loose, like you could create as many videos as you want for this rate. And I was like, great, I'll create 200 <laughs> videos for that rate. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was like, well, let's start with five. So I did a five package deal with them. Um, it went really, really well. I had reached out to the person I was in contact with, like not even three weeks later, I was working an estate sale, which is just kind of something I do in my free time. And I reached out to this person and said, Hey, I think this would be like super lucrative for the project we worked on prior. And since we've signed monthly retainers, I've done multiple projects with the same company. Um, and all this connection was through creator land. Okay. So that is crazy cool. And I think for the new creator that that's really exciting to hear that you just a couple of, a uh, couple of hours pretty much into the platform and you had created this massive opportunity for yourself to create an ongoing relationship and really make some income as a creator. When you first got into the platform, what, what was your first thing that you did? Did you do any profile research? How did you set up your profile? What did that look like? Can you talk us through sort of that? So as a talent manager and my experience in brand management, like the, the one thing I am most passionate about when creating anything is SEO. Mm -hmm. So I was really specific with my profile, my keyword searchability on it. Obviously everybody on the platform is going to write UGC. Every single person is going to write, I'm a beauty creator. I'm a fashion creator. Like those are mm -hmm. buzzwords. Um, but I tried to be really specific and really niche to what I was looking to do. Um, so I, you know, I still include those words, but I also include a ton of keywords that go with them. I think when we think about searchability, we think, okay, I'm a, I'm a UGC creator and they're going to look for a UGC creator. If you type in UGC on creator land, like, I think it's 10,000 people at this point that come up. Mm -hmm. So like, how likely are you to be found in that? Um, so searching the words alongside of it, that a 
business investor or a business CEO or a marketing department are going to be looking for, like not UGC creator, UGC fashion creator, UGC upscale creator, UGC brand development creator. So using um, more strategic searchability, I definitely use. Um, the very first day I set up my platform, I emailed Brian and said, why can't we upload videos on the platform yet? That was like the first thing I noticed because I really wanted to upload like a portfolio the way my media kit was. And he said that is coming soon. So that's super exciting. But I did go, um, I uploaded some photos. To be honest with you, I have not done a ton of UGC work that's been photo work. Most mm -hmm. of my work is video work. So I didn't have a tremendous amount of examples to, to show there. Um, but more outreach and the one thing so i actually just recommended creator land to two creators that i don't manage but i just kind of you know you get into social circles with people doing the same thing as you and they were kind of telling me today like i hit this burnout mark i'm like you have to check out creator land like that's where you need to be stop applying to all these small jobs that take you hours to complete and you're not getting much compensation for and they were like, well, what's so different about it? And I was like, the, the one thing I will say about the platform is you have to align it with an incredibly strong LinkedIn presence because every single deal that I've gotten from the platform has told me, I found you on creator land and then I looked you up on LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. I'm seeing right now, there's a lot of compatibility between the two and in late August of this year, so right around the time I kind of got connected with Creator Land, I said to myself, I was like, as a creator, I'm still treating it like a side job or a freelance job. I'm not telling people I do this. I'm not putting it out there. It's not highlighted on my LinkedIn. And I went into my own LinkedIn and changed all of that. I, mm. I up, updated every single thing I could to be relevant to what I want to be doing and what I was working towards rather than just what I was doing. And I've noticed on the platform that there's a lot of co-compatibility still. And I, I actually, I think that's great. Like I, as a business manager, I double research things all the time. I'm not just going to find you on a platform and say, you know, here's this amount of money to work for me. I want to see that you're vetted and you're verified and I think a lot of people think when they create that that just goes back to like, oh, well, they'll look at my TikTok, they'll look at my YouTube. And that's not how a CEO or a CFO or a CMO thinks. They want to know that you're a business professional, that they're hiring to do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that really makes sense. And as a creator, you wear, if you, if you want to make money, if you want to make a living as a creator, you wear so many different hats because you're basically an entrepreneur. You're, a bus you're running a business now. You need to understand the ins and outs of running a business, how to be organized, time management, all the, the the skills that come with running a business and how to present yourself like a business. And I think if uh, if you set yourself up on your LinkedIn profile to complement CreatorLand and show that to whoever's searching for you, it just adds that layer of credibility. I can't tell you like how many times I've looked at podcasters and then that have applied to say a podcast and then go, well, I need to go check out their podcast. Also, do they have a LinkedIn? What's their website? Do they have a social presence? What are they doing before I go? Yeah, because I need to qualify that this is the kind of person that I want to bring into the show. If that mm -hmm. makes sense, it's very similar to how your LinkedIn is probably set up and why you were reached out to by these brands and they've assessed your credibility, but talk to me. Because I'm, I'm, I really want to understand, and I'm sure creators like, okay, you set up your profile, and then all of a sudden it just happened. 
you've you've got an extensive LinkedIn background and in the professional space there. And then you've come onto Creator Land. I just sort of checked roughly with your profile. You have under 30 connections. So was your outreach really targeted when yes. you were connecting to people? Can you talk us through how you found the ideal people to connect with and then what did you do when you landed on the right profile? How did you go to their LinkedIn, their website? What did you do from there? So I think that what a lot of people are searching when they're creators is for marketing people. And what I've learned through my own creator experience, even aside from this platform, is brands that have a marketing department have a less marketing budget. And I know that from working in marketing my entire career too. So if we're talking just like for beauty example, if we're talking Tarte Cosmetics, right? They're paying millions of dollars a year to chief marketing officers, marketing assistants, social media managers, digital content creators, social media interns, X, Y, Z. Um, when you're looking at companies that don't actually have a marketing department, those are the companies that are going to be more willing to spend on a marketing budget because they, first of all, don't already spend on that marketing budget. They're not doing brand trips, brand deals, brand this, brand that. They have no brand presence and no brand awareness. And that's almost the most target market you want as a creator because they need you more than you need them. So when I was searching companies, I was searching words like, you know, CEO, CFO, founder, venture capitalists, kind of just major buzzwords for higher ups in a company. But then I was also doing backend research on those companies to say, okay, this person doesn't even have a marketing person that works in their organization. How badly do they need a video right now? How badly do they not even know how to create a video right now? Mm -hmm typically what it comes down to. Um, and I, I did learn that a little bit before joining the platform, but I really utilized that since being on Creator. And so I have worked, I've done um, multiple projects, but I've worked with three specific companies since being on the platform. All three of them do not have a marketing department, do not have a marketing officer, but they all have a marketing budget. Okay. So just to reiterate, in, for those who may have got lost in translation, Basically, Rose, you use Career Land, you found the target sort of, you just, you kind of went through those keywords of people that you were trying to target, CEO, all those type of people. You then hit their profile. You then either go, if they've connected their profile, you went straight to their LinkedIn and then started mm -hmm. looking up their company from there. Or if they didn't, then you searched their name across in LinkedIn just to check if they hadn't have added it. And then you worked your way through to figure out if they had a marketing department or not. And then from there, you sort of, I'm guessing like you did with your 800 emails, you curated a really personalized pitch to yes. that company. Was, it, was exactly. it, did you still go back towards email or did you then try to connect over LinkedIn at that point? Um, I connect with everybody over LinkedIn since being on creator land. I have yeah. only connected through LinkedIn. Yeah. And it was a really cool gateway for you to then go and do the, and every the, single the, one of them, just so it's out there, did have their LinkedIn connected. I, love I didn't that. actually search any of them. They all had LinkedIn connected. But then once I went onto LinkedIn, you know, you scroll down and you click on the company profile mm -hmm. and I see that there's eight people or 12 people or 20 people working for the company, but none of them are marketing coded specifically. Yeah. And then that's the, and then it's off to the races from there sort of thing. Yes. Okay. And, and then are you having any conversations, particularly through creator land with anyone or is it all just been continued on LinkedIn? 
Everything has been continued on LinkedIn that has been brand deal wise mm -hmm. since being yeah. on the platform. Um, but I have had a ton of conversations with other creators on the platform. And I actually, that is a completely undermined feature of the platform. Like I've had groups over the years from content creating where like, you know, you're on TikTok and we have like a direct message group or on Instagram or on YouTube, but it's a different feel when it's people that are like on a platform representing their business, not just on the platform being social. Um, and I think there's a lot of value there. I've connected with quite a few creators that are, you know, I'm still in the five to 15 K space on all platforms. So I've connected with people that are in the 20 to 50 K space mm. and sent messages and just, you know, introduced myself vaguely. And of course not everybody answers and that's okay. We're all busy, but I have met some really viable people who have given me great structure and great advice or great tips on how to move forward. We've followed each other on socials and connected through there now. So I, I also think that that's super valuable. I think when you're a content creator, it's a really lonely and isolating job after a while. And you spend a lot of time, you know, in a room with a ring light <laughs> filming content and you lose that ability to connect with people. Like you may connect with people through posting videos or doing all these other things, but you're not working peer to peer like you would in other industries. And I think that gets yeah. really lost on people um, mm -hmm. that can like, just like any other job, connecting with your peers and seeing what they're doing and what they're not doing that's making them successful is also helpful. I completely agree because I, as a creator, I've had multiple YouTube channels, stopped and started all these things, but I've always loved to create, but there's not really anyone in my friendship network that I've grown up with that creates like I do. And so it was mm -hmm. always hard to relate like, oh, you has that podcast of yours going or <laughs> how, how are your TikToks going? And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to talk about it because I know you're not going to understand my passion for it. Uh, and it, it does become lonely and isolating because you're sitting here, you're editing a video at like 2 a.m. or something, or you're like, what, what are my next video ideas? What kind of content do I want to post? I wish I just had someone to talk to this about and bounce these ideas off. And that's what I found that, myself getting on the platform when I first came into it, I was like, well, there are so many creators here. What the hell? And just having some of those conversations, like it's so nice to just connect with other people it is. that love the same thing that you do. And then that fires me up as well. And I, I had this question and before I lose it, your outreach process, the way you reach out now with like your specific message, have you found that there's any specific formula to get like a higher open rate, high reply rate with the way you word it? How do you set up an email or a message? Do you say, hi, my name's Rose from X, Y, and Z? Or do you say, hi, I'm, I'm Rose. I create this type of content. Like what's your pitch if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. So I always start with my prior work experience. Cause again, I think it just translates yeah. really beautifully. I know that everyone doesn't have that luxury, but, um, I always believe it or not, Someone taught me this years ago and I have stuck with it. I always use emojis in the subject line because it helps push you out of a spam folder. Mm -hmm. So it's different depending on who I'm outreaching, but you know, I might put like the star emoji or um, I try to avoid putting my name and the brand name in the subject line because that's what a lot of creators do. And that tends to just get lost in an inbox. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely get super creative with my wording of, um, depending on what it is, 
So I'll say like new project available or marketing experience needed. So try to use buzzwords that would be sensitive to the company. So like I was saying before, if they don't have a marketing department, like marketing videos made upon requests, something like that um, with, you know, a random emoji that might pair back to their company or be relevant. If it's fashion, maybe put an outfit. If it's beauty, put the lipstick emoji. I find that that gets me a much higher open rate. Um, and I will say the one thing from managing creators that I think is the absolute biggest mistake you can make is the amount of people that use ChatGPT generated emails and send them to companies and just fill in like the mini blanks for them. Oh yeah. Because as someone who has been on the receiving end of so many of those emails, I can't tell you, I mean, there were people of like Alex Earl's level, like I'm talking 10 million followers emailing me at Ralph Lauren, like a chat GPT auto response. And I'm like, I like, um, first of all, don't you have a talent manager at this capacity? And second of all, why is this your outreach? Mm -hmm. Because even if I was the correct person, I would never answer this email. So really being specific and tailored, but also not long. Anything over... I always tell people like three tweets worth, like 240 characters three times mm -hmm. is the max that you can write before they're just going to stop reading it. But really highlighting, I always start with highlighting my experience first, then going into what I would like to create. I think a lot of people just outreach and say like, hi, I'm Rose. This is my experience. This is my rate. See my media card attached. Mm -hmm. And the brand's like, oh, okay, like it doesn't yeah. give me absolutely anything. But if I outreach and say, hi, I'm Rose. You know, I come from a luxury fashion background. I would love to create five specific fashion videos that, you know, show how to tailor an outfit to a date night of this night and really give specific examples of what you plan to create. Mm -hmm. That translates so much better to a brand, a company, anybody on the opposite side of that email. Because even if they don't answer, which I don't find happens that often currently, mm -hmm. um, but even if they don't answer, they're going to take that idea and run with it that it, it yeah. still gives them creative inspiration and guess what they come back later and say oh that was the girl that said we should do this kind of video and then that went viral so maybe we should reach back out to her i think that is such an awesome i'm really loving that because i'm coming back to the chat gpt stuff i've put out you know ads on upwork for example i need help with xyz task and the amount of applications i get from chat gpt and i put in the description do not reply to me, ChatGPT, or it's not accepted. Straight up, and then I get all these, and I'm like, yeah, in the bin. I don't care. You're not taking the effort and time to personalize this to what I need. I don't need you. Well, I don't want to work with you right now. I want someone who's going to be specific. And so that might have flown at the start of the year in January, but quickly people were able to spot that AI generated content yeah. and that it's probably just being pumped out. But I love the idea of going. Hi, my name's Jake. I have this experience with uh, TikTok and running ad-related content. Uh, this is the kind of content I would like to create for your brand that I could see doing very well. I've seen a lot of examples. I think this is these ideas could be really cool. From there, you then do what? What's then? Then do you attach your rates, or do you just leave it at that? Where do you go from there? Typically, on my first outreach, I don't include rates. Um, yeah. I, I think it's just, I mean, I've worked in sales most of my career and I just think it's kind of a sleazy sales move. Um, there's 
certain times where I, it makes sense and it works, but I typically don't. I usually say I can um, provide you my media sheet upon requests, but what I always provide in that first email is some sort of content example. So if I'm saying to them, these are five different videos I'd like to create for you, I will link five videos that are similar Ooh. to what I'm saying. So well, I, I would like to create like a get ready with me for a date night. And then I link just a video, not the media kit. Because what I did for years in, in the early parts of my journey was send emails with just my media kit. And I'm not going to say it doesn't work, but you're, you're going to get way less of a response than you would if you're showing them what you have to offer. It's just like kind of sales one-on-one, right? Like show them this is the value I provide. And then they're yep. like, okay, well, how much? And the at that point, you have negotiating power where when you just send a rate sheet and they write back up. yes or no, the, the, if the answer is no, the answer is no, you're not going any further. So I don't know if anyone can see this, but I'm like making a lot of noises and I'm moving around because I'm just like, <laughs> what you said just made me like, oh my, that makes so much sense. And it is such, I could see why it's been a, such a powerful strategy for you. I don't think... This is an outreach strategy really that's being talked about in terms of when I scroll UGC TikTok, it's all about, yeah, you've got to pitch to brands. And it's like, well, how do you pitch to brands? Send them a message on you know, their email, tag them in your videos. Yeah, that's all well and good, but you're going, hi, this is my experience. These are the types of content that I would love to create for you. By, and you give them that amazing value that makes them think even if they can't they're not ready to hire you, then they will come back to you because you've just provided them with an amazing level of value that sets you apart from the other thousands of creators that are just going chat TTP, bang, here's a general message or just sending their rate cards. Like you're really, you're going above and beyond just to deliver something for them and leaving that. I think that is a really, really cool strategy for outreach. And I think that like for creators, I always say like that, that introduction to yourself should be equivalent to an elevator pitch. Like it should not be more than 60 seconds. It should not be long. It should not be, I've been creating for four years and this is what I've gotten. Like nobody wants to hear that. Highlight what you're good at, highlight your focus, give them one, two, and at absolute max three sentences of who you are and like nail that down. I have mm. clients that I manage on social media and I'm like, one is a vintage reseller, for example. And I tell her all the time, Start every video with my name is X and I have been a vintage reseller for 25 years because the credibility that will build video over video over video will increase your audience naturally because whether you know what you're talking about or not, they're like, this woman's been doing it for 25 years. And that's the elevator pitch. You have to have that pitch nailed down, whether you're talking about it in a video, whether you're on a podcast, whether you're sending it via email to somebody like that pitch should be the very first, before there was a media kit, there should be a three sentence pitch of who you are and what you do. And it should not be, I'm Rose and I'm a UGC creator that creates fashion content. Because guess what? There's 2 million people doing that right now. Like that's not stand apart whatsoever. Yeah. And then another big thing when I do attach videos is if if you have a a viral video, a video that did really well, a video that the likes are really high, that the views are really high, that's relevant to what you're explaining to them, attach that video. Because if they mm. click on it, they're like, oh, this has 100,000 views. She obviously is really respected in this space. Sometimes they're just UGC projects and you haven't even posted them. So then fine, just post your MP4 video and that's fine. But 
if you can show them the credibility from a platform, it will automatically bump you up from the rest of the Yeah, talent. even as an example there, I was reading an email of like eight UGC tips from um, Brands Meets Creators. And one of them was include in your portfolio some sort of case study or statistics. And so that mm -hmm. when, as an example, I then reached out to every company or brand that I've worked with. And I was like, Hey, just wanted to follow up and see how the content went. Could you please share with me any analytics, statistics, sales, whatever, so that I could include that as part of my database that, that I can include that in my pitch. And that gives me that credibility so that they can see, Hey, they don't know what they're talking about. Even like a screenshot of a video that a company has potentially posted of yours that has say like 150,000 views. You can go into the comments. You can show some of that engagement that is going to be better than just pop in a video across, yeah, this is the kind of content you can create. It might've only got 200 views. So right. that extra layer, it would probably be very beneficial in the pitch as well. And you can include that in your portfolio. That's um, actually the only platform that I use daily other than creator land is brands me creator. So that's funny that you mentioned it. Really? Okay. So I must be doing something. I right think they ever. give, um, their newsletters are fantastic and they do yeah. give really viable, lucrative advice. I have one open right now and three YouTube videos from Mike that I'm sitting <laughs> here. I'm like, I swear I will read slash watch everything. I'm just, yeah, I'll get there as well. Uh, so in terms of your process, uh, just to re redefine it really quickly, you joined the program on creator land, you set up your profile, you were really specific and intentional with the words that you wanted people to find you for. Like let's say example, UGC, beauty, UGC, fashion, et cetera. You then, once you had your profile set up, you started connecting with those in like the CEO, CEO, CMFO, whatever brand manager space, like that high level area. Then you, once you checked out their profile, they all had their LinkedIn's connected. You hit their LinkedIn, you did your brand research, made sure that they had no sort of marketing team or very, very lean in terms of that example, mm -hmm. and then made sure that they aligned with sort of what you wanted to create. Then you started your pitch, which was like, yeah, you, your elevator pitch, your experience, and then you sort of then came up with some examples of content that you would like to create with them. And you kind of just left it to that unit, didn't include any rates cards or anything in that you provided as much value as you could in that initial consult um, message or email. So that even if they didn't secure you or go ahead with anything right then that they would come back to you later on because you provided them with so much value compared to everyone who was just smashing them with generic emails over and over and handing them rates cards without providing any value. Yep. And then another, let me just really quickly, another quick tip that I love to share with just in general, but I follow this with my creator land pitches also is keep an ongoing Google document of who you've outreached to mm -hmm. and follow up every three months. And mm -hmm. my own poor example of this is I worked with a company in Q4 last year. I had a great deal with them and they told me very blatantly, we really don't have a marketing spend outside of Q4. So I said, completely understand. Um, I didn't document it in my own records. And then November comes around. I'm like, I should reach back out to them. I totally forgot. I had content that performed really well. And I, I recently did and just signed something with them as well. But if you're not keeping track of that, everyone thinks they're going to remember and go back. You're not. You're never going to go back. Even if you go in your email, it's going to be lost in a flood of other emails. 
keep an ongoing quarterly document and the following quarter, reach back out to every single one of them. Even if it's as simple as, hi, hope all is well, following up on the below. Sometimes they open these emails and they don't have a budget or they go to ask someone a question and they don't get back to it. And just that simple kind nudge, not like, why didn't you answer my email, you know? saying something as simple as following up would like to see if you guys are looking to work together in the upcoming quarter or the upcoming year. Um, I've gotten tremendous results from that. Probably 30% of the people I follow up with the second time I close with. Mm. And so as we close out this episode, I'm just trying to think like, I love to ask the question, what your biggest mistake and big, biggest piece of advice would be for sort of new creators coming into creator land to leverage the platform. What could you see a new creator doing that would not gain them any traction after listening to this episode? Is that just joining the platform, sending a bunch of re connection requests on the platform and then doing nothing? I think it's sending connection. Yeah, exactly. It's sending connection requests and doing nothing. It takes more work than that. One, because it's a new platform, and two, because people want to see you work for it. This is not supposed to just be I hit connect and someone says, do you want $4,000 this month? That's not typically how it works. Mm -hmm. um, your research is more important than anything. So take the time, get familiar with the brands you want to work for, the companies you want to work with, um, and really spend time evaluating what they do but also how they spend their money. And a lot of people are like, you can't find that out a lot, but you, you can. You can do very minimal research on LinkedIn or Google and find out which companies are looking. Are they in a growth phase? Do they have venture capitalists backing them? Do they have a marketing department? Are, you know, when you look at them on social media, do they only have two videos? Because if so, then they probably need someone to create videos. If they have 2000 videos, they probably have someone already created. And doesn't always mean the door is shut, but I think it gets a lot more lucrative when you look at companies that are in their earlier phases and they need the expertise of a creator versus companies that are millions of dollars in and they're paying content creators to go on vacations. I think what a lot of creators do is they target, you know, use beauty, for example, they'll say like, I want Urban Decay, I want Tarte Cosmet, they're multi-billion dollar companies and they already have tons of creators by the handful begging. You want to find that next new makeup brand that has nothing out there, no content, they're overseas, they don't know how to translate to an American audience. Those are the kind of companies that are super viable and will project long-term partnerships, not one or two videos here. Get in early, pretty much. Yes. And where do you see the creator economy moving in the next one to five years? What is going to be, is UGC taking over? Is that going to be every creator is providing a hell of a lot more value now and the funny trends are moving away? Like how, what do you see happening in the space just in general? It's funny. I think the opposite. I think UGC and trends are starting to kind of morph. Whereas when I started in UGC, I felt like you had to be really unique and specific. And now I see constant UGC ads that are just trends and I'm like, oh, I mean, I could have done that and it would have taken 10 seconds, but I came up yeah. with this crazy good idea instead. Yeah, but yeah. Um, as far as the creator economy specifically, I it blows my mind every day how quickly it changes and how rapidly. And I don't even know if I could pretend to know what it'll be in a year from now. But I do think watching it over the past four years, heading into the next five, there's going to be a massive shift of artists of all capacities that start getting into this space. 
and the value is going to be in the people that got in early. It's going to be mm -hmm. the same thing as reaching out to brands that are early. It's the people that will have the experience and have been doing it for a long time versus, you know, artists of all capacities coming in because they see the value of it. Wonderful. Rose, where can our creators who are very interested in your journey and professionals listening to this connect with you? Yeah. So in, my Instagram is at rosejordan.ugc and my TikTok is rosejordan underscore. I'm definitely way more active on TikTok and creator experience. Um, and then I'm starting up my YouTube channel very soon. I've been filming for that. So that's rosejordan underscore as well. Fantastic. Plus, you know, the obvious LinkedIn and creator land, which we've I pretty much. I was just going to say, and then my creator land profile. Yeah. Like, like if you, if you didn't already know, right. So yeah, bro, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all the insights into your incredible experience coming from your old job, sort of moving into a creator. I assume you might be going full-time in that space. I, yeah, I left my corporate job in April. So I've been full-time now for about six months and it's been a wild six months but i'm excited for what's to come yeah that's fantastic and a big shout out to the creators who stayed through the entire episode and creative professionals to listen to rose's journey on how you can 3x your income using creator land that is an incredible journey and incredible experience and i'm looking forward to getting you back here at the six month mark and just sort of touching base and going hey are we 10x yet are we 100x like where are we at with that <laughs> sort of thing so i can't um, wait for that too super pumped for that conversation but rose thank you so much thank you thanks for tuning in to the creator landscape the podcast by creator land don't forget to join creator land today and connect with like-minded professionals and creators in the creator economy